Hello all you coffee drinkers out there. If you are in the early stages of your coffee journey, we want to support you. Season 2 of the Coffee Smarter Education Podcast is now underway. The first episode on Blade vs. Burr Grinders is already out. If you want to brew a better cup of coffee at home, search for Coffee Smarter on your favorite podcasting platform and hit the follow or subscribe button. Or just go to roastwestcoast.com and sign up for the newsletter, and we'll send it to your email every single week. Thanks for being awesome and drinking coffee smarter. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Coffee People Podcast, which is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network and is presented by Roastar Coffee Packaging. If you're roasting coffee and you want to put those beans in a good-looking package or tin, check out Roastar.com. You won't be disappointed. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the Coffee Podcast where we meet really interesting people from all corners of the coffee industry. Today, I'm conversing with Will Etherington, sales director for Technovore Mocha Master USA, the longtime manufacturer of coffee brewers, who've recently dipped their toe into the burr grinder production game. Speaking of burr grinders, don't forget to check out the Coffee Smarter podcast, which you can find wherever you're listening to this show. Season 2 is underway now, and focused on grinders and coffee grinds through the first few episodes. And in today's culture is somewhat of a unicorn in that he's been working at Mocha Master for seven years since joining the team as an intern in college. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics puts the average job tenure at just 4.1 years. So, he's almost doubled that. As someone who's jumped through a lot of different careers, that seems like a long time to me. And I'd like to find out what the secret of his success is. If you want to see a Mocha Master Brewer while Will and I are chatting today, I've shared the images in the most recent post on RoastWestCoast.com, or you can scroll through the at Mocha Master USA Instagram feed. Now I need a cup of coffee. How about you? I'm going to go brew one while you listen to this Coffee People conversation with Will Etherington, sales director at Technivore Mocha Master USA. Cool. Uh, so this isn't your first podcast. You've been, uh, you're, you're a veteran. Yeah, I suppose so. I've done this is my third third <laughs> podcast now. So yes, you can consider me a well-seasoned vet. Why don't you do me a favor and if you could uh let everyone know your name, uh where you work and what your role there is. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for having me. I'm looking forward to to doing this and chatting today about coffee and mocha monster and wherever the pod takes us. But my name is Will. I've been with Mocha Monster now for 7 years. I have been with Mocha Master USA through all kinds of crazy numerous roles, starting with customer service, doing actual Mocha Master brewer repairs, all the way to uh, accounts development, business development, and now to where I am today as the director of sales for Mocha Master North America. And it's, it's been a, a really cool journey. It's been fun to learn about the exciting world and the ever-changing world of coffee. Before I started with Mocha Master, it really was, coffee to me was really just 
a white chocolate mocha or something like that. And now it's so cool to be able to experience such nuances and flavors when I'm drinking coffees from specific regions. And of course, always brought out the best of the best coffee when it's uh, on a mocha master. Well, let's explain to, to everyone listening what a Mocha Master is. I learned that Mocha Master is, uh, has been, a, been around since like the late 1960s, which really surprised me. If anyone listens to this show regularly or listens to Coffee Smarter, which is our, our uh, companion show, Chris O'Brien uh, of Coffee Cycle, who's one of our guest experts, recommended the Mocha Master coffee brewer as like, if you're going to buy a, a non-manual brewer, this is the one you want. So could you let me know kind of like what your product line is and, and, you know, a little bit about the company itself. Yeah, absolutely. So as you touched on it, we're, we've been around since the, uh, the late sixties, all of our products are handmade in our one factory in the Netherlands. They have been ever since the late sixties as well. And what Mocha Masters are really designed for is to give the end user the true flavor of the coffee that the roaster and grower experience. And the really unique thing about our product lineup is is if I was to set you down in front of every single one of our Mocha Master models, there wouldn't be necessarily a difference in regards to the actual quality of cup of coffee that you're getting across that whole entire assortment. The only difference comes down to aesthetics, comes down to capacity, and comes down to style. Do you want a glass carafe or do you want a stainless steel carafe? So that's the really unique and interesting thing about Mocha Master is from a sales standpoint, you know, you always have customers reaching out to you and saying, hey, you know, I want the best of the best model. And that's something that they don't have to necessarily sacrifice when they're choosing a Mocha Master because every single one of the Mocha Master brewers will give the end user the true flavor of the coffee that the roaster and grower intended for. You mentioned the visual, the aesthetic of the design. Uh, I'm going with the stainless steel carafe because if it's glass, I'm breaking it within a week. There's just no question about it. Sure. The Mocha Master Coffee Brewer design has a very late 60s, early 70s kind of sleek, modern feel to it. I read somewhere that it it's actually sold at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. It's one of the few, you know, I know the uh, uh, there's a few other manual coffee brewers that they sell, but I think this is the only actual brewer brewer that they sell. What have you learned about kind of the design and how they kind of settled on that over the years? I notice other brands that are are mimicking it. Uh, in our current state. Why do you think that that design stands out to people and, and how did that come about? Uh, what, what's the story you tell people? Yeah, I mean, aesthetically, it's just a uh, a really unique concept and a really unique product. And yeah, we've been selling now and sold in MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art since 2017. And I remember the office here and also the factory back in the Netherlands was really ecstatic by that. Uh, sort of opportunity. So we've been really, really blessed with that. But when it comes to the actual design and the concept of it, it really came down to wanting to make sure that the brewer is essentially like an automatic percolator style. So it's got a copper boiling element inside of that housing, and then that boils the water at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. And then from there, it bubbles up that copper boiling element and the glass tube inside of it goes over the nine hole outlet arm and then evenly disperses over the ground. So that sort of is the essence of the design is how can we make it to where the water is boiling here, rises, carries over, and then drops down over to the grounds and extracts at the proper temperatures and for the right amount of time as well. And temperature control is such a difficult thing to find in coffee brewers, generally speaking. If you, if you start testing them, you'd be shocked at 
the difference in temperature that the water is actually coming out onto your coffee. And for anyone listening, um, you can go to roastwestcoast.com and you'll see photos of the Mocha Master that I'll share there as well and, and some of their, their content. So you can think about that while you're listening to Will and I today. Part of the reason, though, too, is uh, you touched on having a variation in temperature and you don't have to worry about that when it comes to a Mocha Master because no Mocha Master brewers have any pumps in them. And so that's the problem that I see often with other competitive products is perhaps they get to the right temperature, but they also have pumps inside of them. So perhaps the water is being uh, pumped up at a slightly premature temperature. And so then you've got a brew basket that has really inconsistent ranges of temperature and you're ultimately going to be getting a very potentially evenly extracted, over-extracted, all kinds of extraction levels actually within your carafe. And so that's really where Mocha Master shines is we don't have any pumps. Coffee is a really beautiful and complex science, but Mocha Master brewers really take that sort of complexity out of it when it comes to the consumer because we don't have any pumps and because we're designed to give the true flavor to coffee. Very interesting. Well, I want to go back a little bit and learn a little bit more about you. I did some Google stalking. Uh, you've been with Mocha Master for a long time, as you mentioned, but even before that, I'm wondering, did you have any experiences with coffee that you kind of remember as being, you said you were a white mocha guy before Mocha Master, but do you remember what that first time was that you thought, oh, this is this is unique? I mean, was it getting ready for an interview at Mocha Master or was there kind of a, a story that you have there that you can think of? Before Mocha Master, I was doing the, uh, the normal college kid stuff. I was waiting tables and bartending and going to a local university here in Oregon, Portland State University. And I was working towards my undergraduate degree in finance. And I was just fortunate enough to stumble across Mocha Master as a company that was needing some customer service representatives. And I was looking for an internship at that time based on the requirements of my degree. And so I was fortunate enough to get my foot in the door and carry on from there. And fortunately, throughout the interview questions, coffee wasn't necessarily something that was a last straw or I couldn't pass it if it if I didn't know coffee. But there was definitely the opportunity to come to the company and not only learn about the business world, but also learn about what is coffee. And I truly remember actually sitting down and trying some coffee on a Mocha Master for the first time and then trying coffee on either competitive products or other brewing methods. And I just remember being absolutely blown away. I think it was an Ethiopian yoga chef that I tried for the very first time. And I remember thinking, I never liked black coffee. I'm not going to like this black coffee, but I've got to put a smile on my face because my <laughs> boss and other important people are in front of me and I've really got to, oh, wow, this is incredible. And I actually didn't have to even fake it. It was truly an eye-opening experience. It was jammy. It was bright. It was acidic. You know, I come to learn that at the time, some of the flavors that I'm tasting are based on the actual fermentation process as well. And from there, it's just been a, a really eye-opening and exciting experience and journey. Well, you are based out of one of America's great coffee towns, Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about Portland as a coffee town? How have you seen it grow and how have you seen that reputation impact the personality? You mentioned you were there before Mocha Master. You were there in college and I believe grew up in that area, if I'm not mistaken. But I did, yeah. 
have you seen that as a evolution in the city and as an identity that people attach to Portland? I can't necessarily speak to it being an evolution within the city. However, the whole entering in the third and now the fourth wave of coffee, I've certainly seen not only in the metro area of Oregon, but across the United States. When it comes to actually Portland coffee scene, though, there are so many incredible roasters, whether it's Proud Mary's, whether it's Cueva, whether it's Sterling, you know, there are dozens and dozens that I am failing to mention just off the top of my head because there are so many unique ones that really not only do a wonderful job in regards to actually sourcing and roasting the coffee and paying homage to the actual growers of the coffee, but they also do a really good job of taking care of their staff and taking care of their community. And I think that really speaks to what the coffee community is as a whole and is really about. It's so funny, as I mentioned, I was in university to get a undergraduate degree in finance. And throughout that whole process, I thought, hey, you know, I'll work on Wall Street or I'll work for a bank, which is really quite frankly, very cut through industries. And it's not necessarily inclusive unless your bottom line is strong or your top line growth is strong. And it's been really cool to be in an industry such as coffee, where it is so inviting and inclusive. And if you go to a seminar or if you go to a trade show and you don't understand the concepts that someone is talking about, you pull them aside after the show and say, hey, I'm confused or hey, chat me, talk to me a little bit more about this. And their eyes light up and they're so excited to to bring you along the journey. So I think really when it comes to Portland as a whole, when it, it comes to the coffee community and then coffee as a whole, it's just such an inclusive environment. That's an interesting uh, way to think about it. It made me think of coffee as an industry as being, I mean, you're the director of sales, so it's really unique. It's not just, I'm trying to make money off you as a, a person on the other side of this transaction. It's, I want to bring you into this deep, dark rabbit hole that I have fallen into. Uh, it's, it, I don't want to say it's like a cult, but there's a little bit of that. You know, like I want to share this with you because I'm excited about it. And I see that you might be excited about it as well. Yeah. Who is the customer for Mocha Master? Obviously, a person buying a single cup brewer is probably going to be an individual at home. But is that your your overall customer or do you work in a larger in the larger industry? Who is the eventual buyer? Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, when it comes down to the actual consumer that is purchasing it, they are generally the prosumer sort of level. They are oftentimes really looking for the best, the best quality or the best experience. And they don't want a lot of flashy bells and whistles. They just know that it's a simple and elegant design. It's built to last. That's why we back it by a five-year warranty. It's made in the Netherlands. So it really speaks to the quality there as well. And they know that it ultimately is going to be a coffee brewer that gives them, again, the true experience of the coffee that the roasters and growers intended for. So that's really who we sell to on that consumer level. But then we also sell to hundreds of roasters across the country. And when it comes to the actual nuts and bolts and the business side of things, I think it really speaks to the care and inclusion that we give to the entire coffee roaster community. Because at the end of the day, we have what's called a MAP program, which is minimum advertised pricing. So there's going to be consistent pricing across the board. It's not going to be, hey, you know, I see this for $50 cheaper on Amazon. Will you match it in store? And now 
erodes your entire margin or hey we're not going to sit here and make you purchase 5 10 15 units at a time if you want to purchase one unit at a time and represent our brand then we're happy to do that as well so i think it's really a unique and refreshing take on what we are and who we are as a business one of the silver linings of a terrible thing, which is the coronavirus pandemic over the last few years, was people had a chance to kind of focus in on hobbies that they appreciated for themselves. Coffee sales, re- or home coffee brewing was huge during that time. I've heard from roaster after roaster after roaster how they surprised them while shop sales would go down, their their online sales, their wholesale sales, their bean sales would go up. Did you experience something similar with coffee brewing, uh, selling coffee brewers? And how did the coronavirus as a whole impact your company? Yeah, it's such a such an interesting question because from the purely nuts and bolts, positive business side of things, we certainly saw a bump in top line and we certainly saw uh, some exciting opportunities that came from the entire uh, pandemic. But at the end of the day, it was... And still is an awful, awful thing. And it it was it was devastating to see so many smaller roasters that had just started within the year or two prior to the actual pandemic, unfortunately have to go out of business because they just couldn't sustain. That was really the the hard and dark part of it. Were there positives for our business out of it? Yeah, absolutely. There certainly were. And I think as you echoed, a lot of roasters and a lot of other equipments. Uh, manufacturers certainly saw that as well, but I'd be lying if I didn't say there were there weren't really dark times where we would talk to a smaller account that we'd worked with previously, and they said, "Hey, you know, unfortunately, we can't we can't make this or we can't uh, continue operations." And those were really hard conversations to hear because it was it was no fault of their own. It wasn't like they set up a bad business. It wasn't like they took on too much debt. It was just something that was completely out of their control. And that was really tough to to experience and hear. There's a, a moment in October, this November of 2019, where my wife and I actually made a full price offer on a restaurant locally. Mm. And in the end, the deal didn't go through uh, for a, a totally different reason. But we were ready to go. We had the money. We were prepared. We made the offer. And we would have taken ownership in January of 2020. And then a few months later, the coronavirus would have hit. I spent a lot of those early months thinking about what my life would have been like had that happened. The show wouldn't exist for starters. I think about how timing is so much a part of an unexplainable part of a business plan. You can you can have all the right ideas and all the right numbers. But if they tear up the street in front of you unexpectedly or there's a pandemic, there's not much you can do. And it's what makes being an entrepreneur, I think, exciting and risky and and challenging. And and there's just so much more than just punching in and punching out and doing the right thing. What what about you? What is something you've learned over the past, would you say, seven years at Mocha Master about working in coffee that has surprised you or that you've kind of had to learn the hard way? I mean, has there been any challenging moments? I don't necessarily know about the challenging moments. I mean, there, there certainly are, there certainly are always challenging moments as you're going through growth and as you're going through next steps. I've been really fortunate to work with a really passionate CEO who is quite a bit more experienced than I am, but has also been very patient and understanding 
with me throughout my growth in the company. And I make mistakes all the time. I will continue to make mistakes, but it's just, uh, it's sort of about making those mistakes and then learning from those mistakes, picking yourself up, dusting your off and continuing on. I think having that sort of spirit and that sort of drive has definitely helped continue to make these seven years exciting and make every single year after these seven years better than the last one. So I, that's really what I would say there. I think really one of the biggest things that surprised me, and I've touched on it throughout this this pod, is the inclusiveness throughout the community. It, it really is just something that I've never necessarily experienced before with how inclusive and how excited the entire community is for people that enter the community or people that have been in the community for a long period of time. It really is just an extremely inclusive bunch, and I'm, I'm really fortunate to be a part of it. I'm going to change tacks here a little bit, change tracks rather. In my, my research for this show, I saw that you're part of something called Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're obviously well-spoken, but what is Toastmasters and, and how has that impacted your impacted you as a salesperson and, and your ability to communicate? Yeah, absolutely. And Toastmasters, up until actually participating in it, I frankly would never have necessarily considered it. But as I mentioned earlier, my CEO has been really passionate and really focused on growing me as a person and me as a as a business person. And part of that was Toastmasters. My CEO was consistently saying, hey, you know, you need to be in Toastmasters. I think you're a good public speaker, but I think you could be so much better if you went out and participated in this uh, really awesome community. And so I, I joined it about two years ago and I joined a local club and we meet every Thursday and do about an hour long meeting with the, uh, with the organization and we get to practice our speaking skills, whether it's a five to seven minute prepared speech, whether it's two to three minutes of impromptu speech. It's a really interesting community and I certainly think it has helped me become a better public speaker over the past couple of months, if not the past couple of years. And I'm excited to see where it takes me. They have competitions as well. And I competed for the very first time this year. I got second in our division, which was a disappointing endeavor, but also exciting to know that I have the potential, if I continue to work hard, to see where this could be potentially taking me. I'd love to sit here and say that in the next three to five years, I'll be competing in the international circuit and hopefully in the quarters, semis, and potentially world finals as well. So Toastmasters is a really incredible program. I encourage anyone that is listening to this to go and check out your local Toastmaster group because it really is a special organization. That's interesting that there's competition. So it's just just so I understand it, you're essentially giving a a prepared speech or you're doing a public speaking in front of a judge or a team of judges uh, who are then grading you on, I assume, not just content, but presentation and performance and, and so on. Yeah, performance, presentation, the contents, your body language. Are you using any sort of particular filler words, the ums, uhs, you know, things like that? Those sort of filler words uh, are definitely detractors as well. But also there are other components as well. How engaged are you with the audience? How much are you able to connect with the audience? My particular competition that I was in was humorous speech. 
And so it definitely came down to, you know, were you making the crowd laugh? Was it a funny way that you were delivering it? And I think it's just a, a really fantastic organization that's really, really helped a lot of people be better speakers. And the competition part of it, I'm a competitive guy. I, 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 I'm definitely, I'm, I'm a nice dude, but I really, really like competition. And when it comes down to that competition and when those lights turn on and that camera turns on, I just want to win. And I, I worked really hard at this last one. And unfortunately the results didn't speak for themselves, but I'm confident that with continued effort, I will, uh, I'll crush the next round. It's a very American ideal that second place isn't successful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Feel... Every, everyone in my circle, my wife, everyone, my boss, all of all of the people that I care about are saying, This is so cool, congratulations. And I'm just sitting here just being like, ah, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> um, what can I do to be better? How can I I've I've rewatched my speech a dozen times and thinking, dang, I could have done better here, or I could have done better there. So it's it's uh yeah, very very Americanized, isn't it? Where second isn't isn't okay. I was an athlete, uh, which I'm using that term very loosely as a kid, <laughs> but I played sports uh, into college and after college, and I had a few knee injuries that that ended my pretty proactive. You know, even rec league is is not something I do anymore. Hmm. It was very difficult for me to deal with the loss of the competitiveness. You know, the loss of competing in anything, and as an adult, I've tried to find that in other places. I actually tried to find it in sales at one point, you know, being commission-based sales and just trying to be the best at it. And I think as an adult in my, you know, I'm in my mid forties, uh, early forties, let's say, I do think that that is something that I struggle with. I'm always trying to find a place to put that energy or that part of me that gets amped up about just competing with someone else, but in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you found that in, in a speaking engagement. You know, I, I grew up thinking it's got to be physical, but it, the reality is, is it's a mental competitiveness is mental. It's not a physical activity. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Coffee is inherently impactful. We talk on this show a lot about how climate change is impacting thing about growing and, and all, all businesses are inherently impactful. I mean, you know, Patagonia is trying to, to slide on that line between we're doing good, but we also know that our clothes cause an impact as a company. How do you balance kind of that, the impact of what you do, you know, that you're selling a product that people are going to use to at home to make coffee, which is also impactful. Is that something you guys talk about as a company and how do you address that with your product? Yeah, absolutely. And sustainability has become such a major focus point over the past several years, but it really is, something that is rooted in our core as a company and a core concept in our products as well. All of our products are made in the Netherlands. They're handmade and they're backed by an industry leading five-year warranty. And then when it comes to the actual carton that they ship in, there is minimal to no plastics. In fact, there's just one plastic bag that covers the actual glass container. And unfortunately, that's got to be there based on on the good old US government laws. So there's no real way to skirt that one. But there's no styrofoam, there's no packing peanuts, there's no clamshell or anything like that. It's very minimal uh, cardboard use. And we're actually in the conversations as well to figure out how we can come to market with a, a potentially a new box and have it with substantially less ink 
while still being able to display the messaging that we want it to have. But ultimately, we want to reduce as much ink as possible on our cartons so that it's uh, ultimately a more recyclable and, and sustainable product. But when it comes to the actual product itself, as I mentioned, when it comes down to that warranty, it's backed by that five-year warranty. And what that warranty entails is if there's something that's wrong with it when it comes down to a manufactured defect, we have our Portland, Oregon repair-based team. We have a wonderful customer service team as well. I, we have consumers contact those teams and say, hey, you know, I just need to send it in for a warranty repair. We'll send it in, get it all fixed up and repaired under that warranty and ship it back to them as well. But even after that five-year warranty has expired, we want this to be a coffee brewer that is with you or in your kitchen for five, 10, 15, 20 plus years. And we consistently fix brewers that are outside the warranty, whether it's 10, 15 year old uh, coffee brewers. We definitely don't want it to be something that you are purchasing and then throwing away every couple of years. We want this to be a long lasting and sustainable piece because a lot of hard work and effort went into creating this, not only from the factory side, but also all the way down through the designing it and making sure that it is doing exactly as it should be and doing it in a sustainable manner. Well, as someone who has more than one old water kettle that he's turned into a garden pot, I appreciate the ability to repair things. Mm -hmm. How are you engaging with customers? You know, how do people find out about Mocha Master? I found out about you because I was at a coffee focused expo and I had coffee roasters tell me about you prior to that. In general, besides obviously the millions of people listening to this show, let's just assume. <laughs> You know, how are how are people finding out about Mocha Master? What what separates you? Because it's not like I can go to Walmart and see you on the shelf next to a Mr. Coffee, for example. Yeah. And I think that really comes down to the question that you asked earlier is you know, who is it that's purchasing the product? And it really is those prosumer level consumers that want the best of the best products. And sure, those those people still definitely shop at, at the Walmarts of the world. But really what hap what comes down to how we're exposing ourselves across the across the United States is we're sold in high-end retailers like Williams Sonoma, Crate and Barrel, Nordstrom, Saks Fifth Avenue, Crate and Barrel, the list goes on. But we are in those locations and I think that there is a really interesting opportunity for us to consistently be in those locations. Because if you have a consumer that goes into those locations and is stumbling across the coffee section, they, in my mind, are far enough down the sales funnel that they're definitely interested in potentially converting and potentially purchasing a product. And if they're not, they're definitely in the consideration phase. So that gives us an opportunity to showcase our product on the shelf. But then we also do a lot of advertising through social media. Uh, we do the occasional exciting opportunity there was a brand called Supreme and we worked with Supreme last year as well and, and did a really exciting global launch where we custom branded uh, several thousand Mocha Masters with the Supreme logo in. And that was a really, really fantastic, exciting opportunity. And then we also work with the, uh, the cooking community as well. We actually did a custom branded Mocha Master with Andrew Ray, who is better known on YouTube as Binging with Babish. And that was a, a really exciting opportunity for us to get our name out there and really expand ourselves into that home cooking category. 
But our marketing team has done a really fantastic job in developing our story, our brand story, and getting it out there in the right way. But also just the opportunity to consistently be in the retailers that we view as the highest of the high, the elite of the world. That's really where we want to be as well. What did I miss today that I should have asked about you or about Mocha Master? Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask that you really wanted to get out there? I think really the only thing that I could think of is going to be that we launched a, a burr grinder. And that burr grinder is actually our first toe in the water of the burr grinder world. And we started that, let's see, that released on April 7th, April 6th. So it's been almost two months now and the reviews have been outstanding it has been so exciting to see how warmly accepted it has been into the coffee roasting community but also the home community as well and we have been seeding it to several prominent q graders across the country and those q graders are coming out and saying hey you know this is pound for pound the best bird grinder out there it also comes with all of our core tenants so it's made in our factory in the Netherlands, it's backed by an industry-leading five-year warranty. A five-year warranty on a Burgrinder is absolutely insane. And that just speaks to the overall care and dedication that all of our products go through as they're being handmade in the Netherlands. But it's just really exciting to come to the market with a an exciting new product. And it, it, it almost feels like a little bit of a continuation of our product life cycle as well. So it's been really cool to see. And Mocha Master is slowly but surely coming, becoming the uh, the brands that all you need is is just Mocha Master products. You've got Mocha Master grinder, filters, and of course the Mocha Master brewer now. So it's been really really exciting journey. So that's really the only thing I think you missed though. Other than that, I think you you, you nailed it. I think you covered a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what though? If I don't get a check from Toastmasters in like the next couple of weeks, saying, oh hey, yeah, you know, thanks, to the, thanks to the plug, I. There's going to be some problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll get an extra point or two on the next competition. There we go. I'll take that too. <laughs> you, we, we mentioned a couple of times early on that when you were younger, you were, you know, like a flavored coffee kind of guy. It, when you go out to a local coffee shop now, what is it that you order? Depends. Sometimes it's a oat milk latte. If I'm feeling a little bit, just wanting some sort of, sweetness and espresso but a lot of times i'll try to go there and i'll try and figure out what is it that they have that is more geared towards that specialty coffee so oftentimes i will get just a pour of a uh, drip or any sort of special origin coffee that they have up there it also kind of depends on the time of the year too so like right now if i go to a coffee shop i definitely will gravitate towards a pour over where it has African origins and I would definitely do that over ice. But in the winter time, I gravitate towards more Central American or more, for lack of a better word, coffee that tastes like coffee. It's more of a, like a hug, more of a, a warm exposure to the coffee. Whereas when I'm drinking like an Ethiopian or a Yemen coffee over ice, it's bright, it's, it's acidic, it's, it's sort of exciting to be around, which summer is to me. And then in the wintertime, I want that sort of coziness and that, that really nice hot cup of coffee where I'm experiencing notes like chocolate or notes like a dark fruit. The seasonal aspect of coffee is something I've only recently started really exploring. 
I think it's it's kind of like writing a, a story or a movie. You later on, people will talk about what the theme is, and I'm this is an idea I took from the director of the Thor movies recently. When I'm writing it or when I'm planning for these shows, I'm not thinking that far ahead. It's only in retrospect that I realize that, and I'm kind of like that with coffee right now. What you just said, where I'm realizing, oh, there are times of year where I appreciate this more than other times of the year, and I think I notice it mostly in in uh, early spring lager drinking versus uh, fall whiskey drinking, but that's just me. Yeah. Will, I really appreciate your time today. I think you're the first true salesperson, you know, that wasn't like a roaster doing their own sales uh, that we've had on this show. And I'm always appreciative of seeing other perspectives into the industry. Thanks for spending some time and sharing a little bit about you and, and what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I really do appreciate it. And for the for the people that are listening, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about about Mokamasi, you know, check out our website, check out our Instagram. You also give us a call. We're here from six a.m. to three p.m. Pacific Standard Time every day with our customer service team, and they are always ready and always happy to talk shop and talk Mokamaster and talk about coffee as well. So reach out to us. We we'd love to hear from you. We uh. We also thank you as well for your business if you are a local master customer. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me today as well. Okay, some key takeaways. Since 1968, Mocha Master Brewers and now Burr Grinders are made by hand in the town of Amerhoren, which is in the Netherlands. I hope I came even close to pronouncing that right. I listened to someone else say it on YouTube like 50 times, and every time I thought I heard something just a little bit different. Will has been with the company since college and believes the product makes his job in sales easy. Every brewer model produces the same excellent quality of coffee. The differences come down to style and capacity. A particular advantage to this Mocha Master is there are no pumps inside, ensuring the temperature of the water doesn't change between heating and being dispersed over your coffee grinds kind of like a percolator. Will boldly proclaim the industry's entry into the fourth wave of coffee. That comment has directly inspired a question I'm going to ask Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting in an upcoming episode of the Coffee Smarter podcast. The industry hasn't decided to agree on whether we're transitioning into a fourth wave yet, so I expect a spirited response. As expected, the pandemic had some positive impacts on Mocha Master's sales. It makes sense. We were all brewing a boatload of coffee at home and going down the rabbit hole of our hobbies in an attempt to stay sane. But Will brought levity to that positive impact by remembering and relaying how he had clients on the other side of the coin, whose small cafes or roasteries haven't made it through. Will credits the patience of his leadership at Mocha Master for being one reason he's been able to succeed in the industry, and more recently Toastmasters for expanding his horizons and improving his public speaking. This show's dirty little secret is that I edit out a few awkward pauses, or ums and ahs here and there. It makes for a smoother listen on your side. With Will, I did almost zero editing for filler words, so the Toastmasters training must be working. I would like to point out that speaking competitions aside, I love filler words. Humans use them to indicate a break for thought or to pause without giving up the floor. They serve a purpose, although maybe not in the presentation space. Finally, sustainability through durability is a quality that has been lost, 
I'm still using power tools I inherited from my grandfather, even though the newer ones I've purchased have long since died. Mocha Master is hoping your coffee brewer, and now grinder, will last for the long haul, and they show that support by offering their long 5-year warranty and being willing to repair your machines if needed. I want to thank Will for spending some time with us today, and I look forward to joining him for a cup of coffee up in Portland sometime soon. Learn more about Mocha Master at us.mochamaster.com. Before I get to our regular slate of shoutouts, I want to say thank you to the entire team at Cardiff Animal Hospital in Southern California, and to Dr. Alam in particular. Our pup Keto, who has already made a few appearances on this podcast, took a tumble. And they not only helped make sure he got the care he needed, they took care of his humans too. We are incredibly grateful for their efforts this past week, and if you're looking for a vet clinic in Southern California, you won't find one better. Keto is on the mend and looks to make a full recovery, although not playing with a squeaker ball for a month is going to be pretty rough on his and my mental health. Thank you for listening to the stories of coffee people, and for letting yourself be inspired by their entrepreneurial efforts, or at least the cup of coffee you were drinking while listening. Also, for supporting this podcast by listening, sharing, and sometimes choosing the paid newsletter option on RoastWestCoast.com. In addition to this podcast's presenting sponsor, Roastar Coffee Packaging, found at Roastar.com, this podcast is supported by some great coffee industry partners, including Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, Marea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Ascend Coffee Roasters, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, San Franciscan Roaster Company, Crossings Coffee, Ascento Coffee Roasters, Camp Coffee Company, Hasea Coffee Source, and First Light Whiskey. I've been drinking whiskey on the rocks topped with First Light Whiskey while sitting with the dog on the couch all weekend. Coffee People will be back next week with a really great interview with Coffee Roaster and the co-founder of Drink Coffee Do Stuff, Nick Viscotti. DCDS is a roasting and brand empire based in the South Lake Tahoe area of California. I'll see you there. This Coffee People podcast is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network. This episode is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least a thread of sanity left, enabling you to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee.